What up, family? This is a sermon from the downtown congregation of Park Church. May it bless your soul as you dig deeper into God's Word. More resources and info are online at parkchurch.org. Psalm 117. Praise the Lord, all nations. Extol Him, all peoples. For great is His steadfast love toward us, and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Thanks, brother. Well, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Good morning. How are you? Oh, listen, y'all just got through chattering, so I know y'all can talk. It ain't like you can't talk now. This ain't the time to get quiet. No. Hey, um, it is a joy to be with you all, um, those who are here in person and those who are tuning online. Um, it's a privilege and honor to, uh, to be here. My name is Miguel Warren, and I'm one of the pastors here, and it is, a, it, it is a joy to get ready to sit at the feet of our God and to hear what he has to say in these two short, beautiful verses. I mean, I'm going to just be real. When I, you know, you, you try to look over your notes real quick and think you got a little time, and then he got up and got down in like three seconds. I was like, all right. We're done. That's it. But in all seriousness, though, here's what I want us to do. We want to pray, and we're going to go sit at the feet of the cross and hear from our God. And what I want to encourage you is that let us not be so quick to move past this song. Even in this shortness and this sweetness, God has much to say to us, even in very few little words. And so if you would, join me in prayer. I will pray for us, if you pray for us as well, and then we will sit at our Father's feet to hear what He has to say to us today. Amen? Amen. Well, the rapture coming. Let's go. Let's get out of here. <laughs> I don't know about y'all, but I'm ready. Listen, I'm ready. Let's go. No. <laughs> Let's pray before our God. And remember, as we're praying, our God desires and delights to hear from us. We're not just throwing things in the air, but our God is real. He's tentative to us right now, and he's able to meet every last one of us where we're at. So let's calm our hearts and before we go to prayer. Father, you are good, you are faithful, your grace is amazing, your mercy endures forever and renews every morning. God, it's very simple right now that I come to you and, and, and ask for a request that you would pour out your spirit, that you would make your name great, that people would see you as I hide behind the cross, that they will see that Jesus' death on the cross was not in vain and actually the source of life. And so, God, I pray that you open up our hearts and our eyes to see the wonderful things of your word. Illuminate in us, God, through the Holy Spirit. Pour out your spirit on this place. Bring life from dead places. Restore rejuvenate that which is broken. So Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of our heart be acceptable in your sight, O oh Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And we all as a church together said, amen. Amen. An invitation. An invitation is what many of us have received at some point in our lives. 
You receive an invitation in a simplistic form for two reasons. One, someone wants to invite you to celebrate an accomplishment that someone has achieved. Or in that achieving moment, the other side of that, they want to invite you to celebrate life, to celebrate a person. And they're tethered together, but there's different reasons why we uh, receive invitations. And the reality is, is that when you get an invite, there is a choice you have to make. Will you attend or will you not? That's what happens. And what we see and we come to this psalm in this beautiful uh, two verses is that God is extending a universal invitation for all of us to come and praise Him. And the question is, as we go through this psalm, and I ask you today, will you receive His invitation? Will you make the decision to come and praise and worship and celebrate our God? And we're going to look into this psalms. Two things, we're going to see the, the, the universal, the global kingdom invitation in verse 1, and then we'll unpack also in verse 2 the cause of this invitation, the cause of this praise. But understand, let me give you a few background. Where when it comes to this psalm, this psalm contains a prophecy of the calling to the Gentiles. See, understand, this psalm is speaking to the Gentiles. And what it is saying is that, that you too are invited to participate and benefit of the extending grace that God has promised Israel. And Paul speaks to this psalm in Romans 15, 11. His psalm is quoted because the whole part of Romans, as he's unpacking that we are saved by faith, justified by faith alone through Christ alone, he also sets the argument too that Gentiles, because of God's grace and mercy, are able to glorify God because of what Jesus has done. And so, whether if you are a Jew in here or a Gentile, and if you profess that Jesus Christ is Lord, you have a reason to come and participate in this invitation. And if you're not a believer here today, and you're on the fence and wondering if God is real and what he has done, I submit to you today that you should come and partake in this invitation and see the goodness of God. And so again, we're gonna see, it's very simple here in this form. God is worthy to be praised. And we're going to see the universal invitation and the cause of this praise. And so right now, what we'll look at is the kingdom invitation to praise God. This kingdom, universal, global invitation to praise God. Verse 1 in its form says, praise the Lord, all nations. Extol him, all people. Now understand here. What are we getting at? Notice it says who to praise. It is to praise Yahweh. It's to praise God. It's not to praise yourself. It's not to praise your circumstances. Remember, you were invited to the party. The party ain't about you. It's about God. Therefore, the praise is not centered on us. The attention is not centered on us. It's not centered on your, on your job or whoever it is. It is centered around Yahweh, God. Himself, And let's unpack this here. When he invites us to praise and when you see the name Yahweh, God, capital L-O-R-D, what we're saying in the simple, you're, you're calling for the, the immediacy of his presence. It is mean Yahweh's present. He's accessible. 
He can come near to those who call on him for deliverance, for forgiveness, for guidance. We'll unpack that a little bit more, but understand here, Yahweh is to be praised. Our God is to be praised because of who he is and what he has done. And we're going to unpack that some more here. But who is to do all the praising? It says all nations, all people here. It says all nations and then all people. And understand, now you says, praise the Lord, all nations, which means uh, hallelujah, Yahweh. And then it says extol him, all people. Extol is not a word that we use in our vocabulary much. But to break it down a little bit more, here's what it is. Extol, really in its, in its, in its various forms, it's to boast. It's to celebrate. It's to, gra- to congratulate. And really, in, uh, in a very simple way, it is to talk excessively about with pride and satisfaction. When we are to extol, we are to boast about God. We are to celebrate him. We are to talk excessively with pride and satisfaction. Hear me now. The word praise and extol, one of both, is an imperative, meaning it is a command. Hear me. And, and, and it has a little bit more than that. That means that with all of your being, all of your will, it is the command for us to praise God, to talk excessively about with pride, with satisfaction. Hear me, you all were just chattering, so I know we know how to talk. So you can't say you don't talk about nothing excessively. The question becomes, what and who are you talking about excessively? Because what you do and talk about excessively or boast about really shapes and orients your life. Because that's what is moving you and giving you purpose and meaning in life here. There was a movie back in, I want to say it was the 90s, called Waterboy. Come on. Bobby Boucher. Bobby Boucher. But you know what was beautiful about Bobby Boucher? There was a lot of things that was beautiful about Bobby Boucher. But there was nowhere that Bobby Boucher could not go. Whether it was on a date, in the classroom, on the football field, he would always tell someone, well, my mama said, and hear me now, he was dead serious because he held his mother in so much regard and his mother had that much influence and he would talk no matter what we talking about, well, my mama said, even to a professor. No, ain't no Abdullah Magad. My mama said... Hear me now, what am I getting at? Many of us need to have that Bobby Boucher thing where we need to say, listen, my daddy said, see, God said, see, there needs to be an excessiveness talking about who God is because hear me, the world ain't got no problem telling about what they think. So the question be, why would we not want to talk excessively about who God is and what he has done? Because if he has saved you, hear me now, if you are sitting here under the sound of my voice and you have experienced the good mercy and grace of God that saved you from darkness and brought you to the life, you have much to talk about. Believe that. Now, understand, we praise Yahweh. He invites us all to do that. And and I, I ask you and I submit to you that as he invites us to praise, praise him for who he is and what he has done, I submit to you that we ought to extend an invitation to other people. Oh, you know how it is. You get an invite to a party. You want to send a text or not send a text and say, hey, can my friend come? Or you go to a party and say, who invited that person? And it should be the same way 
When it comes to the kingdom, when we talk so much excessively about who God is, we ought to be willing to extend invitations so that they come too can come and celebrate and talk excessively and experience the goodness of God. They, if we got a chance to taste and see the goodness of God, we would want everyone else to experience it. Because understand that God is calling us to praise him because there is nothing in this world. Hear me now that will satisfy you, that will meet all your deepest longings other than God himself. And so he invites us, and we too ought to invite people. Who is your plus one? Who is it that you're inviting into this Holy Ghost party? Who is it that you want to extend or at least bring into the presence so they can see the goodness of who God is? Now understand here, let's unpack this, all nations, all people here. What we do know is this is a universal calling, meaning that there is diversity in God's kingdom here. None of us all look alike. None of us all look alike. And what we see is that it is the gospel of Christ that was ordered to be preached to all nations. And because of what Christ has done, the partition wall has been divided. And therefore, everyone who submits to him has been afar, but has been drawn near when they confess who Jesus Christ Lord is and they repent of their lives. Hear me now. Let's unpack all nations, all peoples. It's not a political thing here when he says all nations. When you see all nations and you see all people, in this historical context in the Hebrew, what is this general reference? It's talking about the various diversity of people among human beings in the various geographical areas, in all the language, in all the culture patterns here. He's saying that all people, all ethnic people, regardless of where they're from, and we see the prophet Daniel talk about this in uh, Daniel 7, 14. It says, and to him given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, all nations, all languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away in his kingdom, one that shall not be destroyed. John chapter 10, verse 14, 16, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Verse 15, just as the father know me, I know the father. Here it is. I lay my life down for the sheep. Verse 16, here's what I want you to see. But I have other sheep that are not from this sheep pen. I must bring them, my Lord, bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. It says, then there will be one flock, one shepherd. Mind you here, Jesus came for the Jews and the people of God, but see, they turned their back on him, and so therefore, he is extended, and it was always from the beginning of time when sin entered into this world. He was extending to, say, the Gentiles too, those who are non-Jewish people, are able to be grafted in here because of what he has done. The kingdom is diverse, family. We see in Revelations chapter 7, verse 9 and 10, it says, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one, uh, excuse me, that no one could number. My God. Every nation, from all tribes, from all people, from all language, standing before the throne, before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and the Lamb of the Lord. Understand this invitation is global to everybody. And I am so grateful that God isn't like us because we have our biases and our liens. And I too have mine. 
So hear me, this ain't about you, this is about all of us. And if it was left up to us, oh, the diversity of the kingdom wouldn't look quite so diverse like God has. Because we're sinful people, we have our bent and we have our bias. Hear me now. There's diversity in here, even when it comes to bestowing of the gift. But let me say this here. Even when it talks about it in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and it talks about the various gifts and the various acts of service, but it's the same God that they all serve this. Here, when we talk about the diversity in God's kingdom and this universal call, understand here, the expressions of the gift within the different ethnic group will look different. It will look different. And may we not dare to think that someone is not worthy enough to be invited into God's kingdom just because they may do things and look things different than you. Hear me, I'm not talking about someone that wants to reject God. That ain't what I'm talking about. I'm talking about because their peripheral style of worship is not your style of worship. Because their, their type of teaching is not your type of teaching, but yet we still you talking to the, about the same God and under the same spirit, but yet we want to minimize and say who don't get in the kingdom because it's not our preference. May we not be people like that. Because understand here, all can praise God because of the vastness of the gospel. Because of the vastness of the gospel. And hear me, God and his gospel does not discriminate. My God, I'm so grateful that it does not discriminate. Hear me now. Hear me now. Because the gospel is an invitation for all. And we see that Christ ordered that it be preached. In Matthew chapter 24, verse 14, and in Matthew 28, which is also our great commission, which also influences our mission, for us to make disciples for the glory of God, the joy of all people. Hear me now. He says, baptize, teaching them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Understand, we were ordered to take the gospel everywhere and to invite people to talk excessively about who God is. And I know this isn't the case here for Park Church downtown. This ain't the case for us. But I still need to say it because we encounter people in the marketplace in, the, uh, in, in, our, in our gyms, everywhere we go, that think that God is the God of America only, and that's the furthest thing from the truth. Hear me now. When the gospel was given to the disciples to go commission, he said, stay in Jerusalem and to take it to the ends of the earth. We are the ends of the earth. So how dare we think that God is just the God of America? And again, this ain't us. I get you. But here's what I want to do. You ought to be equipped so that when you go into the marketplace— and do you hear people try to exclude people from God's kingdom? You can stand bold as his ambassador and correct them in love and say, no, nah, our God is a God for everybody. Let me explain why. That's what we're here to do. So hear me now. He's not just the God of America. He's not just the God of one ethnic group of people. He's not the God of one social or economic class. He's not the God of just one political party. He's the God of the whole universe. Hear me now. He ain't the God of just the rich. Because in fact, he came for those who are poor in spirit. And I'm not minimizing wealth here. Hear me, I'm not saying that. But we got to not box God in a confinement in the gospel and think that it's only reserved for certain people. My God, that's not it. Because hear me, he is the God of the universe, the God of the galaxy, the one who knows the stars, the one who knows every number of hair on your head. And hear me now, he is the God whether people want to acknowledge him or not. So when people choose to submit to idols, false God, guess what? God is still God here because regard, the question is, will you invite, will you receive the invitation? Because do know there is coming a day whether people want to acknowledge God as God, they will have to acknowledge that he is Lord. 
that Jesus Christ is Lord because we will stand before the judgment seat of God. What have you done in my son's name and what and give an account for your sins? And then the Bible is clear that every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. There will be an acknowledgement of who God is. So the question is, will you receive the invitation today as you have breath in your body or will you reorient your life to accept that invitation. You click the maybe button, I'm not coming, or you click the I'm not going, but you might want to reconsider and say, you know what, I'm going to go because I remember what he has done for me. Hear me now. To drive this prayer home a little further, there is people that often exclude folks and we forget what God has done for us. We forget where we once were. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. It reads, or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither sexual immoral, idolaters, adulterers, men who practice homosexuality, thieves, greedy, drunkards, revilers, swindlers will, nor will, will not inherit the kingdom of God. Hear me now. I'm not saying that you can't struggle here. What we're seeing is, what this is getting is that people that are choosing to reject God, choosing not to repent and turn and confess their sins and acknowledge that Jesus is Savior. He's saying those people who practice this lifestyle intentionally with no regard of who I am and want to make themselves God, they will not enter the kingdom of God because it comes through Jesus. But I love what this says in 1 Corinthians. And here's why I brought this to our attention, because oftentimes we forget that we were some of those people. Because the Bible goes on and says in verse 11, but such were some of you. May we never forget where we once were. May we never forget how God has been patiently extending and reaching out to us. May we never forget that when we turned our back on God, he was there. May we never forget that when we confessed our life to God and then we still sinned and went back to what we want to, he didn't turn on us. He didn't say, hey, I'm done away with you. But such were some of us. And I'm saying to you and I submit to you today, may we never forget. May we never forget where we once were. And may we not dare look down upon people and think that we are high and mighty and pious. Hear me, because I struggle with this too. And I get frustrated with people and wonder why, when they're going to get to where they need to go. But when I think about the Lord and all he's done for me and what he's brought me through and what he is bringing me through, how dare I look down upon anybody? How dare I think that they should be excluded from this universe? invitation of the gospel that God has extended to me. But I love what it says at the end of this verse. It says in verse 11, it says, but what were some of you? It says, but you were washed, my God. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit. Do not think it was upon your own merit. Left up to our own device, we would not be sanctified. We would not be washed and clean. We would not be justified apart from the death and resurrection of who Jesus is and the Holy Spirit that keeps us, that was given as a pledge token to seal us for eternity. And so as we continue to live today on this earth, we know that even in hard times, we continue to press on and can talk exceedingly, praising God about who he is because we know that we are sealed and what he invited us to. And if it's as good as we know it is, 
How dare we minimize it and try to exclude people? Because hear me, we all are poor in spirit. We've got, we all got birth in this world, sinful people. We took on the sin nature of Adam, that sin permeated through this world. And there was nothing that was going to save you and I other than the faithfulness of what Jesus did when he went to the cross and choose to exchange our sin for his righteousness. May we never forget here because all people are image bearers. Do not think that we have arrived. Let us always remember that, what he has done. So the question becomes, who is admitted into God's kingdom? All nations and all peoples. What's the admission ticket? Praising and worship and boasting in Yahweh for who he is and what he has done, in particular through Jesus Christ. And so here's what I want us to do right now. I want us to do this right now together as a church. Y'all have already demonstrated that y'all can talk, so you can't get out of it now. But what we're going to do right now as a church is we're going to collectively sing praise. We're going to say praises to God. And so I will give us a three count. But take a moment. Praise God. Praise him for his character. Praise him for what he's done. Shout out attributes of who God is. Hear me. This is going to be uncomfortable for a lot of us. I understand it, and that's okay. Surely if Jesus went to the cross and died a death for us, surely we could take 30 seconds to praise him for who he is and what he has done. It won't be that painful, I promise you. I ain't never went to the cross, but I'm sure I, I, uh, I'll praise you, all right? So, so seriously though, let's do that as a moment. It's beautiful. Hear me now. When we were all singing together, that was beautiful music for all of us to sing from our different backgrounds and different places and we come together worshiping God. It's a beautiful thing. So let us do that now. All right, I'll give us a three count. And if y'all keep praising God and y'all get in the spirit, that's great. But I'm not trying to quench the spirit, but I know we ain't trying to be here all day. So I'll, uh, I'll kind of like dip in and pray us out, all right? I'll dip in and pray us out. But seriously, on the count of three, even those who are at home, let's do this. All right, I'll say, give us a three count and then just shout out praises to God. Whatever's on your heart. Amen? Amen. All right, here we go. One, two, three. Father God, we thank you for who he is. We thank you for how awesome you are. We thank you that you are faithful, that you are good, that you are loving. God, thank you that you are merciful, that you do not fail, that your word is true, that it is awesome, that it is magnifying. God, thank you for the grace. Thank you that you never run out, that you never fail. God, thank you for the goodness that you are. God, may we never forget that you are worthy to be praised. And help us to talk excessively about you, even when we don't want to. So God, thank you that you extend a universal invitation through the gospel to praise us, to praise you, excuse me, that we get to be invited to that, to experiencing the goodness of who you are. Come on, brother. Let's go. Amen. Ooh, that's a sermon in itself. Goodness and mercy. Ooh, I'm going to stop. You done got me. That's a whole nother sermon. Goodness and mercy follows us all the day. Oh, let me stop. Listen. Amen to that. Hear me now. Who will you invite? Who will you extend the invitation? Who, so that you can talk excessively about Because the Bible says, beautiful are the feet who carry the gospel. Listen, when you carry the gospel, you have beautiful feet. It's not, 
It's not what's in the account. It's not the status that you have. It's not the circumstances that define you. It is the beauty, beauty of the gospel. Beauty of the feet who carry the gospel to take the good news about who God is and what Jesus has done. Oh, how beautiful are our feet. And let our feet be beautiful because we're carrying a gospel message that says, hey, listen, I was poor in spirit. Let me tell you about somebody who met me. And make this, and I will say this and move up on point. The only difference that distinguish us from anybody else is that we have God's grace and we have respond to his call. Do not think, do not be defined by this world, by the materialism, by what's in the account, by the status, by the company that you keep thinking that we are high. Listen, the only difference that separates us and someone that do not is that we responded to the call of Jesus. Because his grace is mercy, sufficient and good. So we see this invitation here that was extended. Now what's the cause for here now? Now we get to really shout, what's the cause? You're like, all right, I'm there, I'm good, I'm invited. I want to come. What's our cause for praise? What's our reason for praise? We look at verse 2 and it says, For great is his steadfast love towards us, and his faithfulness, and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. Understand here, I'm going to break down a few words that helps us understand really this simple uh, word in itself. Because at glance, if I'm honest, I kind of was like, oh, yeah, his steadfast loves endure forever. Amen. That's true. <laughs> right. But when you get to study and see the goodness of his word, it's more richer and deeper than that. So hear me. Notice here it says, for great is his steadfast love. Understand, God is. He didn't have to become. His great, he did not have to become good. He did not have to fail to become great. He did not have to fail to know how to make his steadfast love great. This is who he is. And we see that at the end of this verse, it says his faithfulness endures forever. It's who he is. And he gives, and he gives an account for that. Therefore, he can be faithful because he cannot be untrue to who himself is. Unlike us, and has best intentions, we too can fail in our faithfulness because we're fallen people, but our God cannot. That's who he is. But it says the word great, and the word great here really has a breakdown of one of that is like great in numbers, right? It means one that is mighty, but really it, it, what it's getting at is that it is powerful. It prevails. It prevails over sin. It prevails over death. It prevails over Satan. It's a word that cannot be defeated. It's the same word that was used in Genesis in, in different contexts of one of Genesis 7 when he says, and the waters prevailed above the earth when the flood happens. One that is great and mighty and vast. But then it's also the same word that was used in Exodus 17 verse 11 when it says that when Moses' arms goes up, the, uh, the, Israelite, the, the Israelites prevailed over their enemies. And so what we see here is that that word is one of prevailing power. Then you have steadfast love. Steadfast love in its range of meaning means goodness, kindness, loving kindness. And I love how the, uh, the version, the King James Version says is merciful kindness. In simple form, which we've heard before, it is grace and mercy. So it's saying that his steadfast love, which is grace and mercy... And it says it is towards us, really means it is over us, my God. So when you break it down and reconstruct it in this text, what it is saying is that Yahweh's merciful kindness, or insert Yahweh's grace and mercy, prevails over us, my God. And that is why we have reason to praise him. Because we know that it's not, it's not just a spotty praise or every now and then praise. Because at the end of this, it says the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever, meaning that it's truth. And who he is, is consistent 
to his covenant promise. And so we know that it's cemented and it's in there and it's saying that the grace and mercy prevails over us is faithful and true because of who God is and it's prevailing over us. And my God, we get to experience that here. Let me give you a few verses. Psalms 103 verse 11 and verse 12, it says, for high is the heavens above the earth, so great is the steadfast love, right? The grace and mercy towards those who fear him as far as from the east and from the west so far does he remove our transgressions from us? He says in Romans chapter 9, 24, even us whom he has called, hear me now, not from the Jews only, but also from the Gentiles. He says, indeed, he says in Hosea, those who are not my people will be called my people. Those who are not my beloved I will call beloved. Why is that so important? Because we as Gentiles, as broken people, we know that once we are fall, because of his great love and mercy towards us, through his son, Jesus Christ, get this, you are now called beloved. You are now his people. And I love that here. His people. Now understand, let me ask you this question. Who here today needs God's steadfast love? Who's here today need to experience God's grace and mercy? Because if I'm honest, many of us do not experience it that his grace and, his grace and mercy, his steadfast love is readily available. It is. But for whatever reason, there are hindrances that keeps us from tapping into that. Some of those things are that we minimize our sin or even think that it's not sin at all. Or we allow that a broken relationship or betrayal of some type of relationship hinders us because of the hurt that we have experienced, the devastation of news that we constantly get when we come from one season to another. We think we come out from this mountaintop experience and then we go through this storm and then we come back up for a hot, hot moment thinking it's good. And then we go back into devastating news. And what happens is that the beat down of life the weariness of life gets in the way sometimes that keeps us from experiencing this steadfast love. But I submit to you that it's offered to us and that by God and through what Jesus Christ has done, we can experience this. Hear me now. Oftentimes we have to remind ourselves of God's word. Because what keeps us from experience or even seeing, if I'm being honest, God's great mercy and love towards us, over us, is because we're so fixated on what's visibly in front of us. Everything that is physical is preceded by everything that is spiritual. And hear me now, we need to recite God's word to ourselves. There was power and life in the tongue. And when life gets hard and when things get good, we ought not to abandon God and his word. Hear me. I'm not trying to tell you to manufacture some kind of thing just to will your way to get to the next season. But when we rehearse God's word to us, when we memorize his word, when we meditate on his word day and night, when we don't know what to do and we go to his word and we call on his name and remember the character of who he is, Hear me now, that doesn't take the pain away. It doesn't take the storm away. Oftentimes, God just wants us to have him. And so we have to tell ourselves and remind ourselves that God's grace and mercy prevails over my life. 
that God, your grace and mercy prevails over my situation. God, your grace and mercy prevails over this devastating news. God, your grace and mercy prevails over the brokenness that I just experienced. God, your grace and mercy prevails over my heart because it's wicked and I want what I want. But by God, your grace and mercy prevails because your word says where sin is, grace abounds all the more. Hear me now. I'm not trying to manufacture it, but sometimes we just got to talk excessively about God that gets us through the storm because if we we don't, we feel crumbled and we carry the weight of this world on us in the sin and its brokenness in God's invitation to us. It says, come all those who are weary and I will give you rest. And we can say, God, your grace and mercy prevails over us. It prevails over all things. It prevails over your situation. Why? Because when Jesus did what he did, when he decided to march up to Golgotha and said, I will take your sins, you, I will nail it to the, it will be nailed to the cross in exchange because of my love is rich in mercy, I want to give you my righteousness. So when we stand before God and we're in our brokenness, we have access to the throne and we can approach the throne of grace boldly. Because God's grace and mercy prevailed over sin, over death, over Satan, because he defeated the cross. Family, he didn't stay in the grave. No, he rose with all power in his hands. And because of that, by the power of the Holy Spirit, hear me, we get to experience God's presence. So when you call on God's name, hear me now, this is how serious it is. You are calling heaven here on earth. Because we say, God, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so when we call and petition and talk excessively about him, we are experiencing, we're grabbing a piece of heaven and so that people can experience the goodness here on earth. And that's why we got to need to call to him and receive this invitation. And understand this, every grace and mercy is God promising truth from heaven. That's why he can say, the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. The faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. The truth of God's love can endure forever. I love what this uh, theologian says. The steadfast love is bound to faithfulness, to truth, because God is bound by his covenant promise. In summing up a different way, God's plans and promise are as fresh and intact now as on the day he initially made them. My God. And that is good news. It, it, there is no deviating from a plan because it's truth and it's submitted and he's committed to his covenant. Many of us in our places, we change plans. We shift because something don't go the way we do. So we got to hit reverse and run an audible in life or in businesses. We got to make certain decisions because we didn't get to predict the market for doing what it is. All of our lives shifted because COVID shipwrecked us. And so we all had to make adjustments on the audible. But God's not like that. He's steady, he's true, he's faithful. And just as good as what he said from the beginning, it's good as today, fresh. And, his, and that lets us know that his love is unconditional. Unlike our love, which is very spotty. When we're faithless, he's faithful. But understand, his love is faithful, he's good. And let me say this here as we get ready to close the seat. We need to stop trying to make ourselves worthy of God's grace and mercy and his faithfulness. Get this. Just praise him 
for his character and who he is. The beauty of praising God is not tethered to our performance. Man, the beauty of praising God is not tethered to our performance. And get this, and the value of our praise to God is not dependent upon us. We praise God for who he is. And that should free us. That should, the shackles should fall off. Because it's not like his praiseworthiness is predicated off of us. So even when we decide to be faithless and dip out and go somewhere, he's right there saying, my grace and mercy is for you. And I pray that that frees us. In this last part, it comes full circle. At the end of verse 2, he says, and praise the Lord. He starts off, praise Yahweh. He comes in here, praise Yahweh. What this is letting us know is that we ought to, our praise as believers is never complete. Just when you think you can't praise no more, just because you think you can't worship no more, that is when we're just beginning to get started. And you can able to press through because of the power of the Holy Spirit that is in you. Because the Bible is very clear when it says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So mind you, I'm not calling you to manufacture something to press through. We're calling scripture. God says that we can able to press and become overcomers because of him. So just when you think the party has stopped, right? We've all been to those parties where we got that invitation. It's it's already when died now. People are ready to leave because they're ready to go to their next engagement, and people are ready to go. They're saying, look, this party is dead now, and I'm about to go do something else. We got other plans to go to. But see, God's party is always ever happening. And we will worship him here, and we will worship him in eternity. And the question is, will you receive the invitation of what he has to offer to praise and come and worship him? I don't know about you, but I'm so glad he extended that invitation to me. And so may we be a people, Park Church downtown, may we be a people that receives his invitation and extend this invitation for others to come and partake and taste and see the goodness of who God is. Let us pray. Father, oh, how good it is that you love us beyond our faults. That even when we mess up, your word says that you are faithful and just to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So God, may we be people that receive your invitation to know the goodness thereof. Help us to talk excessively about you. Because beautiful are the feet of those who carry the gospel. We love you because you first loved us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. Park Church exists to make disciples of Jesus for the glory of God and for the joy of all people. If you enjoyed this, make sure you share it with someone. We'd also love to hear from you on social media. Find us with at Park Church Denver. Lastly, more resources and info are available online at parkchurch.org. Peace and love.